1: There hasn't been any great advances in prison, rape, or
0: space travel. That's awesome. Is it a gritty reboot? We've been talking about Batman, like usual. (laughs) World was lost. It's free, you know. I travelled through time. Totally. Totally. (laughs) That's sex with (laughs) anti Put you on a lazy (laughs) (laughs) Susan. It's a A fact. (laughs) fact.
1: (laughs) The father of the bar and the holy toast. Fire up the fucking fuck's capacitor. Let's get guns. (laughs) Now this is (laughs) TOEFL. Everyone relax. This is Hands Free Toe Fop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson and I'm just looking at the levels, but I think the levels are okay. That yeah. feels okay to me. Okay. So okay. We're, uh, we're rolling with, um, it's funny, we've, we've gone old school. The first mics that we uh, could never figure out how to use, we've brought to the pod cave because we bought mic stands for the, uh, the new mics, but we didn't have the right uh, mic holders.
0: Also, I think what we've done with the mic stands is, I don't know, I guess it has to be like that, but basically the mic stands <laughs> are like up high and then they're lent down. Yeah. So basically all we've done is really cover each other's faces. I know, I can't see <laughs> your <laughs> face <laughs> <at all. laughs> So who knows if this is a better method or not, but no, maybe it is. Maybe well, it I
1: can't see your lips moving. I can hear what you're saying, but I can't see your lips moving, which means you could be lying to me.
0: I guess that... Well, I mean, often I could be lying to you. Often I could be lying to myself. Who fucking knows what the nature of reality is, Charlie? These stories are just the way I remember them and the comic way that I tell them. And the more that I tell them, the more I believe that that is actually the truth. But I'm not sure that it is actually the well, truth. Well, I've been reading... What is it,
1: the nature of I've truth? been reading this book called Brain Rules, which is uh, by this neuroscientist and it's... Uh, Nerd! <laughs> it is <it's> very nerdy. <laughs> but there's one thing that uh, struck me as interesting is the idea of memories, where memories are stored. So basically... You got mammalian brain. No, you got the reptile brain, which is like breathe, walk, sit. Kind of thing. Then you got mammal brain, which is a reptilian brain that can only be controlled by Chris Pratt. Yeah, that's <laughs> the only person who can control it. Then the next uh, part of the brain is you've got the mammal brain, which is um, sleep fuck, By the way, feed. if we
0: have a reptilian brain, yeah. which
1: I guess comes from like you know that the
0: the history of the dinosaurs, right? If there's part of us a- when we crawled out of the primordial ooze, right? So shouldn't there have been a scene in Jurassic World where like you know that scene with the raptors? Have you seen Jurassic yeah, World yeah, yet? Yeah. So yeah. you know the scene with the raptors where like the the new the whatever it's called, the Gigantosaurus Rex or whatever the fucking new thing is called, yeah. um, where it starts communicating with the raptors, yeah. that scene that I have so many problems with. Yeah. Maybe if Chris Pratt had just concentrated yeah. really hard, he
1: could have controlled the dinosaur. Did we, have we talked about... Did we? I think we brushed over it when Justin was here, but it, it probably bears repeating. The thing about the, this film... That makes no sense to me. Where I was like, what? is everything from the start everything. of the film <laughs> yes. to the end of the film? <laughs> no, is the Vincent D'Onofrio character ah, uh, the best? Who wants to weaponize the, best. the velociraptors? Everything. Right, Just anything.
0: Well, this is the thing, Can though, that be a weapon? That's the. But that's can that be a weapon? That's the first two actors. Let's make it
1: into a weapon. He wants to. He wants to weaponize the raptors. That completely fails. falls apart. There's chaos in the park. Then his next plan is, oh, we need to weaponize something bigger and more uncontrollable. I mean, it- did he just go to weaponize school? Is that the that where you majored in weaponizing? It's his
0: only solution to any situation. <laughs> weaponize it. I think he's had one weaponizing success early on, something yeah. that went really well. He's like, "We should weaponize that," and it actually turned out to be yeah. like, "Yeah, really good." And now that's his solution to every situation. Yeah. His poor wife's at home, like, "Oh, uh, hey, Vincent, did you take out the garbage?" And he's like, "I'm gonna weaponize it. Now nah,
1: weaponize it. It's you gonna blo- weapon- it's gonna blow
0: up the garbage." thing. can weaponize the garbage, Vincent. <laughs> she calls him at home.
1: Yeah. <laughs> It's say he's speaking at the UN. It's like we've got this terrible Syrian refugee crisis. What's your solution? Weaponize Weaponize them.
0: them. Weaponize the refugees.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They can protect our borders as they're coming to them.
0: Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's. I mean, it is a crazy like the. That, that premise that there's this guy who just is like, we have, <laughs> we have these uncontrollable creatures yeah. of absolute devastation. Yeah. That one guy who's essentially grown up with them, like some sort of fucking, you know.
1: Uh, uh, Velociraptor whisperer.
0: Right, yeah. He's <laughs> That's lived, a fucking tongue twister. He's lived with the velociraptors, like, all his life, and he can barely control them. Yeah. Barely control them, yeah, right? Yeah, and some
1: guys like, well, we should just make them a weapon. Well, I'll take you back one step further. Uh, take me back. We have been. Living, I can talk about this. For we a while. have been living um, with various species of animals for centuries, thousands of years, and we have not successfully All right, weaponized. Set it down, fucking David Attenborough. Any of those? <laughs> like we haven't weaponized horses or dogs right. or cats. Why do you suddenly think that this uh, animal that you've brought back that's been extinct for millions of years is suddenly going to be so easy to weaponize? I want. An entire spin-off franchise of him weaponizing things. <laughs> the, the, character, the weaponizer. The
0: weaponizer.
1: <laughs> yeah, it should be Vincent
0: done. D'Onofrio is the weaponizer. Yeah, but it should
1: be like Better Homes and Gardens. Right. Or like, I guess if you're American, like Martha Stewart. Right. So he just goes just, around the house yeah. <laughs> showing <laughs> how you weaponize, weaponize things. <laughs> Don't let him near your toaster. He'll blow your head fucking clean off.
0: Uh, today we've got a letter from Cindy. Uh, Cindy's told us that all she has laying around the house is a frying pan and a couple of cans of baked beans. But you know what, Cindy? Here's how you can weaponize those. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love it. I think that's a great idea. It was the such, weaponizer.
1: It was such a shame. Seeing, I thought D'Onofrio was amazing in Daredevil. Daredevil yeah. Like, just, for me, that's like one of the Phenomenal. all-time great... Vi- Brilliant performance. ...villain creations. Like Hannibal Lecter, like, where you almost want to watch the villain more than you want to watch the hero. That's And, how and you
0: need to kind of be... He totally got that character of Wilson Fisk, which is like, Wilson, Wilson Fisk, particularly in that first season of Daredevil, the way that story played out, he is a guy who thinks he's doing
1: the right yeah. thing.
0: He just has a warped worldview of might what... You might say that the...
1: They're two sides of the same coin. Right. <laughs> They're both trying to save the city in their own way. Did you see that uh, fan theory that someone posted to the Tofop, um
0: Facebook page about the Joker being the real. Oh, hero he's actually the- a hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they go through essentially what happened as a result, all of the Joker's actions, that the Joker is actually the real
1: hero of the film. Yeah. I, no, it was a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could argue if you take that whole, uh, you know, that the Andrew Bolt metaphor that was popular at the time, which is Batman is actually George W. Bush. He's the man who makes the hard decisions. Right.
0: Imagine and- if they played him like George W. Bush, just constantly getting words wrong, putting up, put, defeating the the Joker once, but the Joker's
1: actually coming up with a bigger plan. But he's put up a mission accomplished banner. Yeah, that's but- right. <laughs> he caught the Penguin and he caught the Penguin in a rat hole. You know, handed him over to the people for trial. But all that did was spark a whole kind of group of other people to rise up behind different, the Penguin. Different
0: people again. Yeah, yeah. Penguins
1: Pingu- P- Yeah,
0: and then his did brother, and penguin? then his brother runs to be Batman. <laughs> <laughs> You said penguin the first time. I said it right the first time. The second time.
1: Fucking hell, man! I've been doing some work on that. I just when I do it, I have to visualize pen, pen, Gwyn, pen, and then Gwyneth Paltrow. That's how I. That's how I get through it these days.
0: Penguin. Oh shit! I've gone too far. (laughs) I've followed through, Um, dude. For for an upcoming home and away storyline. Is there a chance? Is that what it is? Like what they've, is? They've
1: said to you, they're like, hey, Oh yeah. Hey, uh, Zach takes look, the kids down to Phillip Island, Phillip Island
0: <laughs> to visit the Hem- Hemsworth family that they've just incorporated into the show now. Uh, I should... It's my favorite thing, by the way, like whenever I think of Phillip Island now, I used to think of motor racing. Yeah. I used to think of penguins. And now I think of is the Hemsworths. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like I just yeah. love that the Hemsworths are Phillip Island. The people. best thing that Phillip Island yep. ever
1: produced. Um, John Deeks, uh, TOEFOP's own John Deeks, has been recording some stuff for us for LA Podfest.
0: Uh, LA Podcast Festival. uh, It's next weekend, and we're really excited to be flying over for it. Yep. Um, And... Uh, If you want to watch the live stream and you can watch it for three weeks afterwards, you can watch every show at the podcast festival. And if you put in the code TOFOP, T-O-F-O-P, when you are ordering that live stream, we get a little kickback and Charlie and I are both flying over for it. So it'd be really handy. Or you can buy one of the PogFest t-shirts or one of the posters. There you go.
1: That's So every time we uh, do a live show, we get Deeksy to record a new intro for us. Now I won't spoil what I've asked him to say this time around, but I did reference the Hemsworths. Now Deeksy also has a habit of Mispronouncing or misreading stuff that was. Charlie here. uh
0: Clausen uh, Clausen <laughs> pronounced Clausen
1: or Tofob. Yeah, he uh, or naturally, John Deke speaking naturally. <laughs> he kept he referred to the Hemsworth twice as the Helmsworths.
0: Oh so they haven't cut through to Dixie's world? No. Like Chris Chris Helmsworth is worth about fifty million dollars now.
1: I quite like the idea of there being like an alternate universe Hemsworth oh. clan called the Helmsworths. Yeah, the Helmsworths. It's kinda of like they all kind of look like them, but they've all got beards.
0: <laughs> I love that. Yeah, they f- they seem a little bit more hillbilly. Yes.
1: They're from a more hillbilly area. Oh, well, they could be the American Hemsworths. They must be, they'll be just the Helmsworths. like the Helmsworth, the white trash American Hemsworths.
0: Where are the Helmsworths? Where, it where, sounds like a reality story. Well, you have the, the Hemsworths.
1: Hemsworths who are like all surfers and yeah. stuff. The Helmsworths are all just cooking meth. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's Breaking Bad meet Summer Bay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, was Chris the only Hemsworth who was ever in Home and Away, or was uh, did any of the other Hemsworths nah. come through?
1: Uh, I think it was just Chris. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of photos of him around at work. He still uh, he popped in actually at the start of the year. He did a little cameo in the Hang diner on. scene. Are you kidding me? Yeah, no, it's true because he's still mates with a lot of the crew and stuff. Yeah. So he was passing through. So. He I was Thor. Just
0: cameo in the back of the diner. It's true. I
1: think you can find if you go to the Home and Away website, you can find it. It's literally he Thor is sitting in the background in the background of shot.
0: Is it Thor? It would have been
1: awesome if he was dressed as Thor. No, it wasn't Thor. That
0: would have been the best if Thor was just having like a piece of lemon slice (laughs) at the diner in Home and Away,
1: throwing a mug on the ground.
0: (laughs) More ale wench. Uh, Irene's coming over. Does I don't know work the who
1: bar? his character was or how his character exited the show, but he could. I mean, theoretically, in the Home and Away universe, he could have come back as whatever character he was when he was on the show, unless he died. But he could still come back. They had <laughs> a spin
0: off of Home and Away at some stage, didn't they? Wasn't there like a more, kind, of more, kind of a more adult contemporary. Was there really? Yeah. I, I, and one of them moved to the city, I think. And, like, they all kind of, like... What it era was are kind we of, talking,
1: like, late 90s? I'm, yeah, I'm going to say, 90s? like, you know, it's got to be 15 years ago, but... Give me a star, like Melissa George
0: era? I don't even... I can't even remember. We're going to have to pause it so I can look it up. If, yeah, if yeah. No why, you did right. have a spinoff. And we're back. Charlie has readjusted the microphones as well. So we can see
1: other's faces.
0: Yeah. We'll see if that works out better. Yeah. Put the mic back up. <laughs> I love that we've tried to... Make this better and somehow have made it worse. <laughs> um, okay, here we go. Oh, no. Was yeah, okay. So, it was 10 years ago. It was a decade ago. Here we go. Uh, Headland. That wasn't a Home and Away spin-off, was it? Headland is an Australian drama television series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Um, produced by The Seven Network, which ran from 15th of November
1: 2005 to 21 January 2006. <laughs> yeah. I remember at the time, because I was doing Blue Healers at the time, and... That because Healers was on the chopping block at that stage, and we were like, "Oh, we're going to get renewed," and it's like, "Oh, they've just commissioned a new series, and they're going to make like eighty episodes." So we're like, "Guess we're not coming back next year." It doesn't actually say if it was a direct crossover. I might be. I don't re- think it was. I, I think might it- be reading that. I, I I might have remembered that it was like a. It was. It was a show mainly about how much people love blowjobs, right? Right. <laughs> Headland. <laughs> yeah, they went to the land of blowjobs. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember Rachel Taylor was the big star. She was the one. I think she was the breakout star of Oh, right. Yeah, of course. Australia's. I met her when she, because I was doing Telethon. She was over promoting Headland at the time.
0: Yeah, Rachel Taylor was definitely in it. uh, Yvonne Stravinsky. No, another big star. Who went on to become a a big star in the US. She was in it. From Chuck. Um, And some other people who I'm not as familiar with their modern work. I don't know who the rest of them are, really.
1: Yeah, no, it wasn't a spinoff. It was just it was a concurrent serialized. In two thousand and two, Seven Network uh, script executive
0: Bevan Lee. Now he's a Home and Away guy, though, right? So maybe he it was, was just yeah. from the people who brought you Home and Away. Yes, right. Oh, hang on. In two thousand and two, Seven Network script executive Bevan Lee was asked to create a Home and Away spinoff
1: oh. with the
0: hope of attracting the UK broadcaster Five as a co-producer. He created a show called Away from Home.
1: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Bevan. Come on. You've used at least two words that you've already used in your other show. I mean, I think that's better than Headland, though. Yeah.
0: Like, I actually think... Home and Away, away and Away from Home. home. <laughs> I mean, I like that. i got to be honest with you, Bevan. I'm on your side with this one. That told the story of Home and Away characters at the Yabby Creek University. Oh. Uh, they were not interested and they reworked it into... Uh, headland basically so no. basically it became less about a spin-off so it started as a home and away yeah. spin-off it's a kind of became.
1: it's kind of like how um when they're making a new new diehard film they just find some crime novel about a cop who's taking on people in an isolated <laughs> location and then they just whack john mclean in there they just do find and replace and put well, John well uh, Hard with a vengeance was going to be a lethal weapon movie Oh, it makes so That's much why it has sense. all that. The, the tension between the black right. guy and the white guy.
0: And eventually, but before that, it was actually a, a script called Simon Says, I oh, think. Oh, so it's the Harris original script. Right. <laughs> so it was an original <laughs> script that it was going to be a lethal weapon movie, and then it became Die Hard with a Vengeance. I actually, Die Hard with a Vengeance, I. I I, good film. I think it's really good. No, no. I, it was... For a while, I thought Die Hard was good every second or third film. Now I feel like...
1: Oh, no, they've lost the plot. Yeah, it's ter- com- that last one was terrible. That last one, like... you Sometimes, you know, you can see an actor phoning it in. And then you can literally see an actor walking from his trailer to get into his car, yelling out a line as he steps into his limo and does a pile of coke and goes back to his mansion.
0: I think basically what they did was they put a giant green screen between his trailer and his limo. Yes. And they just filmed whatever he did between those and then they just green screened in the
1: action around it. Yeah, he's not even trying anymore. But the the third one, the, the best thing about the third one is that the way they they take because the, what's great about John McClane in the first one is he's the everyman right right you know he's a bit of a smart ass and he gets scared and he gets hurt and stuff and then the second one he kind of is the same guy but he's a bit more super heroic like he's you know killing a bunch of dudes on fucking like a, 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 what do you call those jet ski things the snow what do you call those snow jet skis snow jet
0: skis, jet skis. <laughs> <laughs> snow skis it's snow skis I, I think they're snow skis okay. like snow mobiles <laughs>
1: Snow jet skis.
0: <laughs> Worst episode of Sailor Century. Ever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but then the third one, when you first meet John McClain, he's hungover, uh, Holly has left him. Right. Shit's gone wrong Shit's again. gone wrong. He's, he's, back to he's pretty brother. much off the force. Yeah. yeah, and so he actually has something to kind of win back. Like, it's more It's more than just beating the terrorists. It's like, well, can he pull his life together?
0: Plus, uh, spoilers, he's up against, you know, the, the relative
1: of an original adversary. Yeah, so it's yeah. like...
0: There's, it actually feels, which is
1: actually good casting because I sometimes confuse Jeremy Irons and Alan Rickman because they're sort of like, do you know? What I'm, do you know what I'm talking about? The kind of Shakespearean English actors at the same age. I don't know why, but like I confuse them.
0: I I have said pretty terrible things about Jeremy Irons before on this podcast, why? but here's what I, I'm I... not a fan. No, why? He's the poor man's Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons. What? <laughs> like it's. Everyone thinks you want Jeremy Irons, but once you get Jeremy Irons, basically you're like, Oh yeah. You remind me of someone better.
1: Yeah, I guess so. He's like a he's like a budget. You always Alan feel like- Rickman.
0: <laughs> yeah, anytime Jeremy Irons is in it, all I'm reminded of is who couldn't you get?
1: So Oscar winner.
0: Yeah. I know. I mean he's had a fine career and I enjoy him in Die Hard with a Vengeance.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure there's a couple of other films I enjoy him in also. But uh uh, but you, as a general rule, are you going to enjoy him in Batman vs Superman?
0: Uh, no, <laughs> I mean I can't imagine that I would, or why I would.
1: Yeah, I don't know. There's a weird in that. I mean, also like like playing Alfred
0: after Michael, Michael Caine, Caine plays Alfred.
1: Yeah, it's a lot to live up to. I mean, it's hard work. But I reckon because you know, in some of the comic books, they retcon Alfred to be. Like his ex-military. Yeah. And he can, you know, do like field dressings and all that kind of stuff. I get that that's what they're doing. My instinct. Because I've yeah, seen The Gentleman, but, but also, Alfred. But does
0: that, when you think of Jeremy Irons, is that what you think of? Like some ex-military, like, no, he's at his best playing some pompsy, like European, yeah. you know, Euro sort trash. of like,
1: yeah, exactly. I guess. No, I could see him. I reckon he, would have, he could have a hard edge. I'm just trying to think of, I can't think of one other Jeremy Irons film besides before- <laughs> He's made a lot of films. Dead Ringers, that uh, creepy David Cronenberg film he's in where he plays twin brothers. And then, what was the film he won an Oscar for? Reversal of Fortune. Bet he plays a punsy European (laughs) kind of dude in that as well. He's never really done like a, a, you know, like even Alan Rickman did Dogma. But uh, Jeremy Irons has never gone, oh, where's that Adam Sandler film? Or maybe he has. I'm sure he has. Let's have a look and find out. Um, I
0: know he was a character for a while in uh, one of the crime procedurals that I
1: watched. Homicide or something. Uh,
0: no, it was like, I reckon it was in CSI. No, uh, Law and Order or something like that. Let's see. Okay. Uh, Jeremy
1: Irons. Jeremy John Irons.
0: JJ J. 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 Irons. <laughs> <laughs> too many,
1: too many J's. JJ Irons, I like. J.J. Iron sounds like a WWF wrestler or a porn star. <laughs> um, his uh, birthday is uh, coming up. Let me guess. Uh, so is it within this month? hmm September 19th.
0: Uh, ToeFot will be live at the LA Podcast Festival. <laughs> check us out. Uh, check out the live stream. And it is also Jeremy Irons' birthday. Is it really? We will be celebrating... At LA Podcast Festival. We should do a shout, Jeremy, out, to we would shout out to JJ Irons. JJ Irons. He'll probably
1: be in town. I'll get him to come down. But if we can
0: get JJ Irons down. To do
1: the, why don't we get him to do a live intro for us? I mean, to be Dixie, honest. we love you, but we've got an Oscar winner.
0: If JJ Irons wants to come down and do the show, JJ is welcome to do whatever he yeah. wants. He can sit in on our game that we're playing with our guest.
1: As long as he doesn't listen to any old top-up episodes when you bag him.
0: Okay, so JJ Irons is an English actor. After receiving classic. <laughs> <laughs> Wikipedia started pretty yeah. pretty low on the bar yeah, on yeah. this one. That's assuming you know nothing. <laughs> if you've just stumbled accidentally onto this page, uh, JJ Irons is a human being. <laughs> <laughs> he was conceived when a sperm and an egg created a zygote. J.J. Irons uh, is an English actor after receiving classical training at the Bristol Old Vic Theatre School. Told you. Of course he
1: did. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, Irons began his acting career on stage in what year, Charlie? 78. It's a, it's a funnier year than that.
1: Funnier year. Yeah. 69?
0: 1969. <laughs> Are you serious? <sighs> yep. How old is he? He must have ended kid. Uh oh 19th of September 1948 is his birthday. Oh shit he's older. So he's uh he's... 52 plus 15 is uh, so, uh
1: 67. 52 plus
0: 15 yeah. 67. Yeah. So he'll be 67 LA Podcast Festival.
1: Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah. Too bad he wasn't going to be 69. I know. That would have been perfect. <laughs> and it's since
0: appeared in many West End theatre productions. Yeah, see, this is Jeremy Irons that I'm thinking yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Winter's Tale, Macbeth, Much Ado About Boring. Nothing, <laughs> The Taming of the Shrew, Godspell, <sighs> Richard II and Embers. Right?
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Boring. In 1984, he made his Broadway debut in Tom, Tom Stoppard's The Real Thing and received a Tony Award for Best Actor. Okay, so, so he's
1: switched to the States by this stage. Yeah. He's, he's gone in to the Broadway. States, but in theatre. Yeah, so he's just building up the credits. Right. He's, he's the won a young, Tony on yeah. Broadway.
0: Iron's first major film role came in the 1981 romantic drama
1: The French Lieutenant's Woman, oh. for which he received a BAFTA nomination for Best Actor. I read that. The French Lieutenant's Woman. Oh, no, I'm thinking of The Handmaid's Tale. Anyway, keep going.
0: Uh, after starring in such film dramas as... Now here's something interesting. Turns out that I assume. Hang on, I'm now. I'm just have gonna have to guess to see if it isn't to make sure it isn't a different thing. Oh no, it is a different thing. Okay. I was about to say Jeremy Irons and Bruce Willis had worked together previously because oh. he was in a film called Moonlighting. But oh, it's not, that would have been awesome. It's not the same as no, the television series. No, no. It turns out, uh, Betrayal and the Mission. He gained critical acclaim for playing twin oh, gynecologists. He a fucking mission.
1: Yeah, right. That's a good film. Everyone he knows David
0: that. David Cronenberg's psychological thriller, Dead Ringers. Yes. In 1990, Irons played accused murderer Claus von Bülow. Reverse of Fortune. In Reverse of Fortune. And that's what he won his Oscar and for. And took home multiple awards, including an Academy Award for Best Actor. Yeah. Other notable films, uh, Steven Soderbergh's Kafka. No, haven't seen it. The period drama, The House of the Spirits. I haven't seen it. The romantic drama, M Butterfly. I haven't seen it. The voice of Scar in Disney's The Lion King.
1: Yes, no. I it. enjoyed that. Yes, he was good in that.
0: Uh, Simon Gruber in the action film Die Hard with a
1: Vengeance, which we agree is his best role today. The date.
0: drama Lolita, which is oh,
1: he is creepy and terrible in, but that's kind of the character. Oh, point. Uh, playing what is it Herbert Humperdink? No. What's the character's name in in Lolita? Ingelbert hum- Humphre. No, it's, it's it's like a funny name. It's like Herbert Herbertson or something like that. Is it? Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, let's have a look. Well, we'll Is hyperlink-
1: what hyperlinks are for.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, Humber Humbert.
1: Humbert Humber
0: Humbert humber, Humbert. Humbert Humbert. Humbert Humbert. I would assume it was Humber Humbert, but maybe it's Humbert Humbert. Yeah. Humbert squared. Okay. Well, that's what he was anyway. Uh, Lolita, Musketeer Aramis in The Man in the Iron Mask.
1: Oh, yeah, I remember that. That was a weird film. Do you remember, have you seen that with, with L- Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio? DiCaprio. Uh-huh. Yeah, so you've got like uh, John Malkovich, Jeremy Irons, Gerard Depardieu, and some other old bloke. Who's the other one in it? Okay, that's funny. <laughs> 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 Jeremy Irons, Gerard Depardieu, oh, Gabriel Byrne. Oh, he was good in that too. But it's a weird film because it's kind of like an action movie with middle-aged dudes running around. Like you don't immediately think John Malkovich when you think action hero. You like Gabriel? You you
0: know what? It'd be great, guys. Let's get the Three Musketeers back together and make them really old. (laughs) We'll call it uh, Three Musketeers with a vengeance.
1: Grumpy old musketeers. (laughs)
0: Oh, that's what I wanted to say. Mm. I wish that um, Just complaining Walter of- Matthau and Jack Lemmon and <laughs> yeah. and Don Rickles. Yeah. <laughs> Grumpy old musketeers. Grumpy old musketeers. <laughs> uh, all right. So um, after, what did he do after Man in the Iron Mask? He did Man in the Iron Mask. He did uh, The Merchant of Venice, the drama Bean Julia. I. Here's the thing. I hate him based on a lot of movies I've uh, yeah, never same. seen. Yeah, same. I was
1: going to say, apart from two of his films, three of his films Kingdom what? of Heaven. Uh, yeah, I've seen that. Aragon. I, but he's in, I think Kingdom of Heaven, he's un, like, it's almost like a cameo. He's unrecognizable. He's covered in sores. Or is that Edward Norton? Anyway.
0: Aragon. 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 The Western Appalooza. And the indie drama Margin Call, which I've seen, but uh, that's a lot of movies and a lot of movies I have no interest in seeing and
1: never. And, will have any and I wouldn't in imagine that they're like huge box office films either. Like, see, this is my thing. jumping from lily pad to lily pad. But here's the thing about my Iron's hatred: I did not realize
0: it was so ingrained that I have literally avoided. Why do you pretty hate much, him? Bro? I mean, I you don't, don't, don't
1: know. hate him. It's not you hate him. You just. Don't enjoy his work. I don't need any more of him in my life. But Instead there, of having an iron deficiency, I have an iron sufficiency. I mean, there's a lot of actors like, all right, I'll give you another example, a, a like for like, but this guy's barely worked since he won his Oscars, F. Murray Abraham, who played whats a face in um, Amadeus. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. The right. the kind of, what is yeah. his name? The the Whatever his face is. Sneaky guy. Sneaky guy from Amadeus. But he's a theatre actor who, you know, Flashy role, won an Oscar, and then it's like, where did F. Murray Abraham go? Some actors, like, I mean, Marissa Tomei kind of did the same thing as well, like, until The Wrestler, that was the, the last thing that she did that really kind of got her attention. But I,
0: I worry, not, I don't worry for him, like, and he's actually got some good roles out of it. But I was watching Whiplash again the other night, which I just fucking love. Mm. And, like, J.K. Simmons, Simmons. not J.J. Irons. No, although he was uh, not J.K. JJ. Simmons. He was quite serious Simmons in this one.
1: <laughs> Little internet joke. Um, but I, um, no. It, it, who played Joe Janet Jameson? <laughs> J.K. Simmons plays Joe Janet Jameson. J.J. Jameson. Not J.J. Irons. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope that he continues to get good roles. I hope that that isn't the oh, one yeah. time. He, he strikes me you... as like a Brian Cranston type who's now everyone's like, this guy can fucking do anything. I hope so. I mean... I, he's one of my law and order guys. I did a Robin... They did a Robin Williams retrospective. I think he's on in the actor's studio and they asked him about winning the Oscar and he said, you know, for the first week, it's like, hey, well done, great on the Oscar and then two weeks later, it's like, hey, Mork. <laughs> like, right. it doesn't last that long. No.
0: No, I, on ABC Radio today, apparently, they were having a debate and this just amused me because uh, my television show uh, came back last night on the television and it, it did very well overnight. And so they're having a discussion on an ABC radio about how well it had gone. And uh, apparently in Melbourne, people started ringing up to do, like, to claim where I'm from. Like, oh. and people were saying like, some people were saying he's from Hayfield. Some people were saying he's from Denison. Some people were saying he's from Sale. And it became in just those weird ways. Are they all that- near each other? They're all near each other. I was I lived in Denison. That's where the farm is. Uh, Hayfield is where I played junior footy. Went to primary school and like you know played all my sports and stuff. And Sale is where I went to high school. So, so
1: war breaks out between Sale, Denison, and Hayfield. Who do you fight for?
0: Well, I'd fight for Denison. That's, that's where, where I'm from.
1: But we would be slaughtered.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like because like Denison has like 350 people. Hayfield has 1200 and like Sale has 12000. Have you
1: ever seen that movie Three Hundred? Oh, they die. Yeah, oh, yeah, they don't. Like, I don't know if you watch right through the end, <laughs>
0: no, but they I don't actually. They win. They don't actually win in the end.
1: Spoilers, but they well, okay. they fight bravely, right. but they don't actually win. So in it's the end. more like Rocky. Yeah, no, he loses no, too. <laughs> <not>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's kind of like the Titanic. <laughs> the guy who does not get metaphor. <laughs> Only watches movies halfway through yeah. <laughs> and
0: just assumes everything's going to end well. Yeah. Gee, that girl from the Crying Game's hot. Anyway, I'll be out of here. <laughs>
1: Uh, tune in to Topher for more references from 1992. Jeremy Irons' career and crying game jokes. <laughs> yeah, we're cutting edge.
0: Okay, so um, back to Irons. Oh, no, they were debating where I was from, and so they actually hit I me I don't up. know,
1: I'm feeling a bit ironing bored. They, oh, oh,
0: <laughs> they, um, they asked me, you know, to kind of settle this thing, and all I was thinking was, normally those towns are running to distance themselves from my name. Like, for the last 20 years, all those towns have done is be embarrassed that I exist, and today they're having an argument over which one of them owned me. I was like, give it two weeks. That's what I said to them. I said, give it two weeks, and they'll all tell you where I'm actually fucking from. Anyway, okay, so... Irons has made several notable appearances on television. His first Golden Globe nomination... Because uh, he's very awarded. That's what I will
1: say. He like he, he can act. He can just act. chooses to act in stuff that Terrible you things. don't want to watch. Uh, but he hang on. He, he did a lot of Shakespeare. Are you into Shakespeare? Not his Shakespeare. Well, who's Shakespeare? Baz Other people's. <laughs> other people not during Are you end. into Shakespeare? Was it something that you read as a kid? Because you know, I'm not. You I,
0: know my one acting performance, Charlie, was oh, in a Shakespeare not. play. With the
1: cum trees. In the, <laughs> with the trees that smell like cum. <laughs> I don't remember a lot about that story, but I do remember the cum trees because yeah. I have smelt the cum trees. The people it's don't in know. Melbourne Botanic Garden. M- right? Melbourne Botanic
0: Garden, where we were performing this uh, uh, Midsummer Night's nice Dream for like two months. Midsummer Night's nice Dream, well, <laughs> there are trees that smell like jizz, jismus <laughs> <Gizmas> trees, <laughs> cum trees. Give me a home among the cum trees. <laughs> Not up your bum, Drew. (laughs) Well, this is homophobic.
1: A cockatoo and a kangaroo. (laughs) A cockatoo and a kangaroo.
0: (laughs) Take a wallaby out the back. (laughs) And jizz right in, it's crack. This is easy. <laughs> Song parodies are easy. Yeah. Uh Irons has made several notable appearances on television. He earned his first Golden Globe for his breakout role in the ITV series Brideshead Revisited. Ah,
1: yes. Yet again. But again, this is Stuff you never watch. This is your Jeremy Irons This is not Alfred. Who would who would all right, let's try and imagine who is the fan base for Jeremy Irons films? Like women over sixty? I mean, I, mean, Brideshead, I mean, I'm, I'm sure my mum loved Brideshead. I don't know if she did, but I think there's a fair chance my mum loved Brideshead Revisited. Well, I mean, maybe. My maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe. take Revisited was like an ABC staple. When I worked in the video store, there was the big box set of Brideshead, and the only people who got it were ABC listening, left-leaning, Chardonnay sipping, uh, you know...
0: Brideshead Revisited sounds like a sequel. I like the idea that there was people that was not as good as the original Brideshead. Brideshead. <laughs> um, all right, here we go. Brideshead Revisited in 2005, Irons starred opposite Helen Mirren. Here we go. That's year, Now you've got some fucking class on the table. Uh, in the historical miniseries, Elizabeth won. She won? What did she
1: win? No, it was Elizabeth, <laughs> like, one. Numeral one. Yeah, the sequel was nowhere near yeah. as good. Um, it's like Batman Returns, Elizabeth won. Uh which he received a Golden Globe Award and, and Emmy Award for Best Supporting that Actor. just fucking throw awards at him. For From 2011
0: to 13, he starred as Pope Alexander VI uh, yeah, in the Showtime historical series, The, the Borgias. Borgias. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. My mum has I that not,
1: series on DVD. I will not watch that because I think that it would be <laughs> <just> silly. <laughs> That is another ABC stable, right? Or SBS or something. It's I see it advertise ones. all the time, and yeah. every time I see it advertise, I'm like, oh, I would. Not that's not the one this. with uh, the the young guy in it, too, is it? No, I'm thinking the Tudors. Oh yeah, no, no, no it's it's not. It's not the Tudors. Uh, he is one of the few actors who won the triple
0: crown of acting:
1: Tony, Oscar, Emmy.
0: Right. He's a fucking triple crown. He's, He's a, a triple, triple threat. threat. He's an acting triple and threat. And we're fucking how bagging I, his career. I, we've got a podcast <laughs> yeah. and we're disrespecting a motherfucking ap acting triple, triple threat. threat.
1: Stage, screen, television. He's
0: done Fuck it all. Man. Okay, you know what? Maybe I'm taking it back. Maybe he is the guy. Maybe Batman vs Superman is where you fall in love with him. In 2011, October, he was nominated Good Hill Ambassador of the Food and Alcohol... Hang on. Good, Good Hill ambassador? in No, not Good Hill. I've oh, just misread that. Okay. In 2011, he was nominated Goodwill oh, A- yeah, ambassador no of the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United States. Not United, United Nations, sorry. So he's the Goodwill ambassador for food and ag for the UN. What does that mean? I don't know. Hey. Food's great, right? We all think that. How good's food? Yay! Yay! I'm Jeremy Irons.
1: (laughs) That's that's my Jeremy Irons impression. Um, How would you do Jeremy Irons? Hello, Jeremy Irons. Hello, I'm I'm Jeremy Jeremy Irons. Irons. I've won an Oscar, an Emmy, and a Tony. I'm Jeremy Irons, (laughs) goddammit. Oh, here we go. Music. What?
0: Hang on. Oh, dear. Now he might fucking. Now he's got more. Now he's maybe not even. Maybe he's not even just a fucking triple threat.
1: I don't think he's won a Grammy. Here we go. Music. In
0: 1985, Irons directed a music video for Carly Simon and a heavily promoted single, Tired of Being Blonde. Which one's Carly Simon again? You're So Vain, I believe. Carly Simon, right?
1: Who's is that Karen Carpenter? No, that's a Carly Simon.
0: I think it's Carly Simon. Yeah, okay. Uh, take your word for it. Hang on, I want to see now. No. You're So, you're so Vain. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, and a bunch of other things. Uh, okay, uh, so he directed that. So he directs as well. 85. Uh, in 94, he had a cameo. on oh, no, who cares? Um, <laughs> uh, Irons has contributed to other musical performances, uh, recording William Walton's Facade with Dame Peggy Ashcroft's Stravinsky's The Soldier Tale. Fucking hell! He, he bores play? me to shit.
1: What, but he's so talented. <laughs>
0: like, so talented, but so and boring all in areas that I have no interest in. Yeah. Like it's like every time I read a new fact about him, I am more bored by how yeah. wonderful he is.
1: When I was a kid, the one <sighs> store I used to hate Mum taking me to was Spotlight, because to me, like Spotlight is the anti-fun. You cannot have fun in that story. Look it's at just you, so the fucking Spotlight from an early age. Ah, it's so boring. So Jeremy Irons is like the Spotlight. Of entertainment. Man. It's just all okay. buttons and foam balls and curtains and swatches. Swatches? What do they call them? Yeah, Sw- swatches. swatches. Fabric swatches. Is that right? That? Are the swatches or switches? Swatches. Anyway. <laughs> you know, s- swatches are the watches, right?
0: Swatches are also the watches. But oh, I think okay. you have swatches of fabric. Fabric swatches,
1: right? Not switches. Yeah. I think, you. Yeah. I was spot on the first time. Should I just back myself? Fabric swatch, yeah. Yeah. You can get a fabric swatch book. No, that'd be like hanging out with Jeremy Irons.
0: (laughs) I am like the world's worst Cyrano. Basically, every time you start a conversation, I'm just here on the computer, like trying to (laughs) fill in facts on the way. Um, All right. So uh, I will put down the computer and we can talk about something other than Jeremy Irons because uh, I wanted... Today is the 20th anniversary of uh, my very first uh, stand-up comedy gig. It's today. And that's years. about what you heard at the end of it, right? Oh, mate, that's more than what I heard. Of it. No, <laughs> actually, my first one went really well. My second one was terrible, but my first one went really well. Yeah. But yeah, 20 years ago. Where today, was it? The SB in St. Kilda. Yeah, right. Open mic. Open mic. They used to do Sunday afternoon open mic. Two brackets that have a professional headliner and a professional host. And then the rest was just
1: open mic. And how long had you been building up to it? Was it like a uh, weird, def- was it a kind of fell impulsive thing? or? Nah. You were- I mean, I wanted to do comedy for a while and then I kind of
0: was like, well, now I'm going to do it. So I went down for three weeks and watched this. Like, I found out this was the place, you know, to go. And so I went down for three weeks and I had a rule because they used to have, like, I think they'd have probably eight comics in each bracket. So, like, you And I think it was from three o'clock in the afternoon to six o'clock at night. So it was kind of a relaxed day. It was always kind of full. It was only five bucks. People would come down have like Sunday recovery drinks and watch them open mic and stuff. It had a good vibe. Yeah. It was out the back in the Gershwin room there, which is like, you know, just a really brilliant, uh, you know, live music and comedy room. And um, I went down for three weeks beforehand and I had a rule, which was, I thought you remembered the three worst people. Like from my experience of watching it, I was like, okay, you remember the three worst people, but everybody else is kind of just, you know, yeah, in the middle. I knew I wasn't going to be the best, yeah. but I was like, as long as I'm not in the three worst, <laughs> like I'm happy to be that. Yeah. And so I went down for three weeks, and each week I was like, would I have? Do I think that I would be in the three worst on this? And I did
1: not think I would be. So then, yeah, on the fourth week, I actually did my set. Yeah. Did you? Um. Was there? <sighs> Were there any other comedians of note in your bracket? Husey was on. Um, Same night? Or yeah, but it wasn't his like
0: first gig. He oh, was right. already like, uh, he'd been doing comedy. But um, Rove was doing his very first ever solo show. Um, he had previously been in a duo called Duff and Rove. And his first time he ever did solo stand-up was on that day. Yeah, right. Um, Steve Bedwell was hosting. Do you remember Bedders? Yeah. Yeah, from Tim Betters. Uh So Steve Bedwell was hosting the show. I remember
1: that. 20 years ago. 20 years. I know. It's That's fucking insane. crazy, man. So I must have met you when you were halfway through. How long have I known you? Since about 2001. So what's that, 14 years. So you're yeah. only six years into your career when I met you. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. But it, it felt like when I met you, you'd been doing comedy forever.
0: I was very lucky that... I mean, I've had, uh, you know, I got, I started kind of doing Good News Week when I was, I guess, like 23 or 24, which was like the first thing that kind of, it was a very popular show. You know, it was a new show and I was lucky enough to be like one of the younger comics that they were going to, yeah, going to and supporting. So you kind of like got to stand out a little bit on a show that was already popular. And so that was really good for me. And then when I was 25, I got Triple J and that kind of was like, well, since yeah, that kind of, doing a show like that, Triple J Breakfast Show, like it just immediately it accelerates. kind of yeah accelerates yeah. everything. So. so
1: back to the the first gig, can you remember? Were you nervous?
0: Ah, oh, yeah, I imagine I must have been. It was something that I've been dreaming about doing for a really and had long you done- time.
1: Like musicals at school or any kind of theater work or like performance stuff. Do you stuff? not
0: remember yeah, my, me telling you about my wonderful performance as the king in The King and I oh, at I high know. school Maybe. when they blacked me up?
1: Oh, no. Well, <laughs> orange, when they oranged me up. Oh, they didn't yellow you up. Yeah. No, but they oranged you oranged
0: up. me up. They, hey, didn't want to be, they didn't want to be racist. Fake tan. Yeah, right. <laughs> but he's the king of Siam. Right? And so they dyed... Like, I dyed my hair black. I had long hair. And I dyed my hair black and we shaved it at the sides and put in, like, a ponytail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, in that sort of, like... And yeah. then... Uh, like, oriental like, style. Yeah, oriental style. And then my entire body, like, fake tanned orange. Right? And with, like... This is... I guess it's, like, 19... 19-
1: What's the big song from The King and I? Uh...
0: I mean, the the woman has most of the yeah, but there um, must be a famous song. Yeah, there is. There's heaps. There's a, a whole bunch of them. Um, I like big butts. I cannot you know, Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck. Okay, now I'm gonna. No, uh, no, no. no, no it's I, all have right. to, oh, I have to. I have to find out hell. now. Um, there's one about uh, like what, my song. There was one called "Butt Is a Puzzlement" because it was <laughs> "Butt her, Is a Puzzlement." Yeah, it her but was, butt is a if, puzzlement. Her butt is a puzzlement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It was an early version of "I Like Big Butts." It's more like I'm, I'm puzzled by big butts. Uh, no, the king, like Anna's teaching the king about like you yeah, know yeah. Western ways, and he, it's a comedy song almost yeah. about. Oh, like, you, know you know what? I'm actually getting memories. Understand. I think we, I, th- I feel like early, early, early Tofaut. We have talked about this. Yeah. Okay. Let's find out. I'm um, getting memories. So- uh, let's just find out what the hit songs out of it were. The hits. Um, No, because it was. There was a couple. The, there, there's one of hers that is kind of the famous song from the. <laughs> God, oh my God, Charlie. There's so much information about The King and I on this Wikipedia. It's fucking crazy. Okay, here are your musical numbers. Um, so, uh, yeah, okay, the song was called A Puzzlement. Yep. the one that I that I sang.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, her big one is getting to know you. Getting to know you, getting, getting to, know to know all about you.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. So getting then to show you my butt, watching <laughs> oh. your
1: face. No, no this was the
0: this the... was the big one. Okay. this was the hard one. Uh, Anna and the King have a song together towards the end, and we had to dance like yo, like yeah. and sing at the same time uh, and the song is called shall we dance <laughs> yeah anyway so yeah right that was like the big yeah so we had to like do this duet and sing and like dance at the same time it would have been terrible <laughs> i just look back on that and just think people came and watched it you know like, it had, you know, it only ran, runs for a little while, but it was full every night, and it was like family and school friends and stuff. And I'm up there in fucking Orange Face, looking like a fucking ninja Donald Trump, yeah. like singing and dancing. Me who can't sing, you know, or dance. It's amazing. Like, I mean,
1: we're terrible. Talk, we had talked about it before, but when I did that horrendous version of Little Women uh, for the Hampton uh, Theatre plays, and it was in a scout hall. Uh, which was, we'd do matinees where the lighting cues wouldn't work because you could see the stage at all times because there was sunlight streaming in through the windows. But it was terrible. It was awful. But we got people coming to see that as well. And it's like, there's there's just something, humans need entertainment. And even in this world of like, you know, that would have been the late 90s. So there's DVDs at least. People were still coming to see this shitty Amateur little play, the version of little women with half the actors who can do accents and...
0: It's why there's a fucking guitarist in Mad Max. Even yes. in a post-apocalyptic society, We still need adamant. some fucking entertainment. Yeah,
1: but if there was DVDs in Mad Max world, I'm pretty sure everyone would be watching the DVDs. No one would be going to see Guitar Guy. Oh, you no, know, that's not true. If Guitar Guy was in the real world, people would go to see Guitar right. Guy. The, but do- also, the Doof Warrior.
0: No, but if it was in a... Uh, like futuristic society, all the things that, like if it reflected modern day society, there'd be the guitar guy, but there'd also be like the talk back radio guy. Nah. There'd be another guy on the front of like one of the cars, just shouting opinions, yeah. like nasty opinions about the other tribes and yeah. shit like there'd that. Be some rea- there'd be
1: some reality tribe as well. or right. like, you, just, you just come around and just watch them do stuff. They don't actually kind of do anything. But- oh, but that'd be uh, the girlfriends, the wives. The wives, yeah, the yes, wives. that's right. The, the real housewives in house the wasteland. <laughs> Oh. oh, that's fantastic. Tonight on Real Housewives of the Post-Apocalyptic Wasteland. Do you, have you ever watched any of the Housewives shows? Just for research purposes, I imagine you would do it for like to be current and stuff. I don't... Like, interesting
0: thing. Here's, I will tell you this about like not um, doing radio anymore. Like, you know, is that once i finished that radio job, I really have actually just – and part of it is just a natural result of travelling all the time. Those are the shows that you only watch if you're in the same place all the time. Yeah. Like your, your dramas and stuff like that when you're on the road, I catch up with all that stuff because yeah. you download them and you watch them. But those sort of reality shows, you're, not gonna you're never going to go then. and sit and bu- watch no. a bunch of them That's in a row. That's stuff road.
1: that you put on when you're making dinner or right. you know, doing something else. But I, don't, I mean, I'm in the same place uh, all that, the time to, that and to I to don't me, watch those That shows.
0: to me is AFL 360. Yeah. That's my reality show. Like, when I'm at home and I have an hour, like, and I know that AFL 360... Last night, I almost cried during AFL 360. I was so, like... There was this. Mo- there was a couple of moments. A Jesse Hogan, who won the Rising Star, was on and was just fucking great. Like I, I hope that he's just as big a superstar as he looks like he's going to be because he's just what the game needs. Nah. But secondly, they did this interview with Ross Lyon, who used to coach your club, who coaches Fremantle now, and the captain uh, Matthew Pavlich, and they're both such. No nonsense, guys, but you've got to watch this interview because it's really fucking human. It gets all fucking human all all of a sudden. Because- Ross let let people in, didn't he? No, no, because they both aren't- Letting people in. They're both people who try not to let people in. But Robbo, and you know, I'm not always been the the biggest fan (laughs) of- (laughs) Robbo. But you know what he can do really well? Is he can sneak someone a really fucking hard question. Because he has that kind of thing with that laid back, he can actually kind of- Drunk. (laughs) Yeah. But he can kind of ease someone into revealing something about themselves that I think- Yeah,
1: he frames it in a very casual way. You don't feel like you're under- He doesn't grill you. And he
0: hit them by the idea. And he actually said it to them both, which I thought was fucking- Because those two guys are superstars. But he kind of asked them the question. He said, look, you've both been superstars- but surely you've got to be haunted by the fact that the biggest thing in the game is a premiership and neither of you have been able to achieve it. And coming into this season where you finish first, but no, one rates right, you, you've got to kind of be overwhelmed by this. And they both talk about process and they don't both... But they end up kind of almost being philosophical about the idea of life. And Ross Lyon talks about that idea of like, that they've given themselves permission... To lose? to Well, not even to lose, but to aspire. Yeah. Like that. The whole point is that as a club, they've given themselves permission to go out there and kind of risk being great. And they talk about this idea of like, that their whole philosophy is, give yourself the permission to risk being great and understand that that comes with the idea that it might not work out. But that's part of it. And you've just got to kind of reconcile yourself with that. And they're explaining this. And you can see them both kind of spouting the words, which are great words, but at the same time, like are still it. going and you can see Ross going he goes but I know the, the, the measure is the premiership and that's what we're here for and it was like one of those moments where I was like mm. if you look closely at something and people when they talk you can learn so much more about them and kind of connect with them much more than the words that just come out of their mouths yeah
1: I mean uh, John O'Brien was on um, Junk Time AFL pod Michael Chamberlain Adam Rosenbach's. great show. podcast check great it podcast. out if you like AFL and uh, he talks about being haunted by the one premiership he didn't win. Right. And it's like, but you won three before that. But he just still, I mean, I guess if you're a competitive beast and, I mean, that is what your focus is, like just the things he he goes over, what he could have done differently, what they did wrong, where they lost the game. It's just like, holy shit, man. I mean, I, 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 I do wonder, you know, when you see... There's all this kind of footy speak, right? When players and coaches speak in the media, and you know they're never going to talk themselves up, they're never going to give shit to the opposition. It's all very contained, and people are, like commentators are always like, "No, oh, we just want to really hear someone be truthful and stuff." But I kind of believe that the players they're not like um, they're not withholding inf- information or or, 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 or or being cute with their answers. They've bought into. A system of belief. Like at St Kilda, for instance, and this is not unique to St Kilda. A lot of clubs have this. When they talk about, um, you know, uh, was it hard uh, but leading all day and then losing the game? And they're like, well, we don't think about the end result. where where we just concentrate on the contest, the process. The, the process, and if you achieve those goals and you give great effort in all those areas and you come off the ground and when you look and do the analysis and it's like, well, we won contested the ball, we won this, yet we still lost the game, then, well, there's nothing we can't control that. Sometimes the ball bounces the wrong way. You know what I mean, and I'm like that actually makes 100% sense, and I think it's actually a really great philosophy for life in general. But it's much harder when it's not going
0: well. I mean, like to use last night's show as like an, an analogy, we had worked really hard on the first show back, and I think we'd done like a yeah put together a really good show and whatever. But if it had come out this morning and it hadn't gone well, people would have suddenly been asking a whole bunch of questions about how we'd put it together. Mm. Like sometimes the fact that it works, like, you know, the day where the ball bounces in your direction, mm. like you don't have to confront that. Whereas the teams who are working on process and do, because I absolutely agree with it. And I think in life, if you're t- like I, Eddie Maguire, and it's rare that I like, you know, quote Eddie Maguire. <laughs> it's like, you know, here's something you, but it, on his Triple M Breakfast show, quite a lot. He used to berate Luke Darcy, who used to play for my club, and particularly this year because we're having a good season. It's traditional for Bulldogs fans because we've been hurt so often, and I'm sure you understand this (laughs) too, that you just can't enjoy even like a small amount of success because you're like, well, it'll go wrong. You get suspicious. This will, you know. Yeah. And I've had trouble with it even this week with my team in the (laughs) finals. I'm like, well, it probably will just be this week and we're probably not, you know. Whereas like Ed's thing is like only one team can win each year. But are you really going to waste the whole year of your life not enjoying, like, you know... Dreaming. Right. But also, you've done well. Mm. Like, not everyone gets to win. But just because you came second or just because you... Like, it doesn't actually... Like, you know, you can be very proud of the effort you've put in and the season that you've had and all those sort of things. And I think it's a good way to look at life as well, which is like... I think that, you know, criticism shouldn't hurt you unless you believe the criticism. Mm. Like, if you've put in the work and you've put in the process and things don't go your way, then you can kind of walk away from those things and just go, well, I tried my best. Yeah. And sometimes
1: it doesn't work out. Well, it's it's the same thing of owning your mistakes. Like, if you take a risk, people advise you against something and you go, no, I'm going to do it this way and it fails, well, at least you did it on your terms. Right. Because it's at least that way you actually went for something. If you just do what other people tell you to do and you still fail, then what have you got? But also the other thing that comes with that, which I think people don't appreciate or as much as they should, or
0: I, I, put it another way, rather than me saying what other people think or not think, um, that I didn't appreciate, that I've learned to appreciate over the years is that- also, that you've got to be make peace with the idea that it may not work out if yeah. you do it your own way and it may not work out. And if it doesn't work out, you also have to own your choices, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you also have well, to go, you, Well, I thought this was the best choice, regardless, and it, well, it didn't work out, but I can't suddenly blame other people mm. or kind of lash out it and think it's someone
1: else's fault. And being, being okay with failure too has become less and less tolerated. In society, like the standards we now set for people in the era of like a clickbait media, we don't allow people to make mistakes. We love to crucify people. Like when someone fucks up, people love to get on social media and like, you know, hashtag a joke or or have an opinion. It's like, well, it's I can understand why so many people are developing like anxiety and depression issues and stuff because there is this pressure at least externally it feels like there's a pressure that we all have to be perfect, that we can't fuck up. And that must be horrendous. Like if you, if you, I imagine if you work a high pressure job, like what I do for a living, you know, there is pressures, but it's not like life and death. But I imagine if I was studying medicine or something like that, the, the pressure to succeed and not fail would just be kind of maddening. Well, the thing
0: is also that I think that we live in a society at the moment where people not only think that they have to be as happy as other people, mm. but for, they have to—they think they have to be as happy as other people
1: are pretending to be. Yes, well, that's what Facebook has created, right? The image that it's—I uh, well, don't think
0: it's created it, but it's enabled, oh, yeah, enabled or it, or it's highlighted it, or it's made, made it, it more prominent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: and it's also to that strange detachment too. Um, you know, you, you sort of see people on their phones with Instagram or or Tinder all these kind of swipey sort of social apps and there is no there's no engagement with the images unless you sort of see something that you really want to say look at but you are scrolling through thousands and thousands of images faster than you ever had before and they're all these idealized images so that's gotta affect your subconscious somehow, right? If every photo you see is someone is with it like a six pack or a super fit body or you know, on a yacht or something, doesn't that's gotta make you look at your own life and go, well fuck, why don't I look like that? Why I think don't of it all the time, yacht? mate. We
0: have allowed an entire generation for the last fifty years, we've entire allowed people to be brainwashed constantly by marketing and advertising. And at the heart of all marketing and advertising is the idea that aspiration is good, that you should not be happy with what you have right now. Now, yep. This new thing or this better thing is coming out, and we take this in unedited, uncritically examined every fucking day from the time that we're able to see and fucking hear. Our brains aren't fully formed, you know, to years later. But we've been wh- mm. why? Why is the world becoming more capitalistic and and you know, uh, you know, everyone wants to be famous and everybody worshipping the Kardashians? We created this, mm. like we created this. We fucking let this happen because we
1: never critically examined the brainwashing we were doing to well, people. To come back to the very first thing we talked about on the podcast, the brain, <laughs> <laughs> the way the brain works. What I was reading in this book is that. Um, <laughs> So you've basically got the uh, hippocampus, which forms long-term memories, and then you've got the cortex where the memories are stored. okay, yeah. But when you um, when you experience something and then you commit it to your memory, it's a process called consolidation, and that takes a really long time. And sometimes you can uh, something can uh, form a neural pathway in your brain and just gets locked away, and you never think about it again. And then twenty years later, you hear that song, you smell that smell like the cum tree, and it <laughs> triggers that memory, but what they're saying is that um, as far as your brain is concerned, when you have that memory, you're having that experience, you're having that memory for the first time again. It is kind of following the same neural pathway that was created the first time you had that experience. So again, if you're a kid and you're watching, you know, McDonald's uh, ads on TV and stuff, it would make sense that, you know, you associate, you know, um, good times and, and toys and, you know, a general feeling of goodwill with, McDonald's because it's been carved, neural pathways are being carved through that are just immediately recalled every time you see those golden arches. And I know personally, I mean my family, we never really got McDonald's. It was like on a birthday or whatever, but it there was something about going to McDonald's because of the association that even as an adult I would go into a McDonald's on my own and I would genuinely Enjoy the feeling of like you know oh this is home or this is like I've been a good boy. <laughs> <You> know, <like laughs> someone's gonna sing me happy birthday
0: and give me a present. It's my birthday every day now that I'm an adult. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but I was conscious of it. But it's also it's a weird thing. It's like I mean, do I really like McDonald's? No, not really that much. But I like the feeling, the nostalgia of it. It's amazing how many things you think you like
0: until you don't have them and you realise that you don't need them. Mm. Like, I found that with giving up, you know, meat, but also just with travelling the last two years. Like, I've essentially been living out of a suitcase and you suddenly realise that all these other things that you think are important in your life that you've built up around you. Like, some of them are. Some of them are more important. You amplify how important those things are but a lot of the other shit just drops away around the sides. Um, We should finish up because you've got to go uh, to something and I'm also going out to dinner. Yeah. But um, we are going to to the footy on saturday night yes uh to see the bulldogs so I play against adelaide in the finals and i'm actually going to go to the footy the next day as well to watch the Tigers. And oh the awesome Lions. i'm going to sit in the channel 10 box all right with rusey apparently holy shit yeah so that'll be fun awesome um but uh saturday night uh we will uh talk about this off here actual plans but i have some things to do before the game so we'll just have to work out um you know whether you will do those things with me or we just will meet because uh, one of the things I'm doing, Charlie, which I'm sure you probably don't want to be involved in, is that at 5.30, I am leading, yes, leading, the march to
1: the G of the Bulldogs fans. <laughs> Do they know you can, can barely walk?
0: <laughs> like, I mean, it's a march. It's a limp. It's a limp to yeah. the G. Yeah. to the
1: G. <laughs> I will be leading the limp to the G. <laughs> Bulldog supporters are so suspicious of success. The guy they've asked to lead them to their first funnels campaign in four years is a dude who can barely walk. <laughs> and then
0: after the, after the limp to the G, I will be uh, going
1: on. Uh, the- I'll fucking I'll limp to the G with you. That'd be oh, fun. that'd be awesome. That'd yeah, be really cool. I think that'd be a good. Fuck. Hey, you know what? Bulldogs are. Uh, uh, we, the Bulldogs and the Saints have a shared history right. of disappointment and pain. Absolutely. I'd be so happy for the Bulldogs to go all this You'd way. Be this wel- You'd be welcome among our people, Actually, definitely. I don't know that I would be happy for you guys to go... Because you said the same thing to me in 09 and 10. If the Bulldogs won a premiership, then suddenly, I don't know, our friendship might be fractured. It changes the dynamic. I don't know we can identify with... Sport. I don't
0: think it would be, man, because I just think that, like, I, I need to be able to die soon. <laughs> I'm not saying I am going to die soon, but I just need maybe after the walk's the I, I need in my life the re- the reassurance that I can that I can die whenever I want.
1: Yeah,
0: and so um, you know, I have a new puppy now,
1: so I probably can't die. No, but not at least for. But I just
0: years. love for them to be.
1: I just be. Great. So what happens if, in say, two thousand twenty eighteen, St Kilda and the Bulldogs play off in a grand final? Yeah, like, I mean, I don't know. If the Bulldogs win, I just don't know if I, that will be a happy... Because you want to talk about it. We talk about football all the time. I mean, you'll have to curb... Because I have not watched any of the... I've seen four losing grand finals, and I have not been able to bring myself to watch any of them. Yeah. Too painful. Too painful. So I don't know what would happen if you guys beat... I
0: think we're talking about a highly unlikely <laughs> situation. <laughs> That our two teams would be good at the same time. And then we'll <laughs> that still we be can, podcasting
1: like, in 2018.
0: <laughs> you know what? That's a pro- that's a problem that we can... <gasps> deal with them. Let's yeah. cross that bridge when, <laughs> when we, we get to, to it. it. <laughs> um, the, the other thing I'm doing just before the game is that I am uh, doing an interview on your television network. Oh, yeah. On the Channel 7 uh, pre-game football show. Are you serious? That's yeah. awesome. So they're going to interview me. And Dougie Hawkins, All former right. legend
1: of my football club, as representatives of the Bulldogs. The two funniest men in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking cool, man. So that's what yeah. your celebrity status has garnered you. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. So. I, I mean, I'm desperate to be St. Kilda's like celebrity I did status guy, but I'm I behind launched, Eric Banner and fucking I launched Molly the Bulldogs Meldum. Emoji. Did
0: you? Last night, they have an emoji cause for the finals. So if you type hashtag Be More Bulldog on Twitter, it comes up with a specific bulldog awesome. emoji. That's awesome. I was the launcher of that. Fantastic. You know what it is? Twitter fucking, followers. Well, yeah, Twitter followers. Yeah. And the other thing is that fucking Hemsworth isn't putting in because our number one ticket holder is actually Chris Hemsworth. He's To bring it back to that, fucking Thor. He's happy to sit in the fucking diner at Summer Bay, but he isn't happy <laughs> to tweet about the Bulldogs emoji, apparently. He's very busy.
1: Asgard, does, poor poor coverage. Poor in Asgard. coverage from Asgard. It's not even four G up there. He's there
0: in Asgard, trying to get it through the, <laughs> trying to open a hole so he can. like.
1: <laughs> You'll see a rainbow bridge just shoot down before the game. All right, um, uh, we should finish up.
0: But uh, Charlie, uh, yes. anything to plug uh, apart no. from LA Podcast Festival? No, no, uh, no. come uh, and see our show. Dave Anthony, Gareth Reynolds, Jen Kirkman, Matt Kirshen, maybe some other people as well. But hopefully, JJ Irons we are going to do a um we're going to do a quiz it's not really a quiz it's just kind of like a little fun it's a game thing to show do, but it's a game show it's but we're going to have show. a bunch of kind of stories and people have to guess if it was Charlie or myself it'll yeah. be a very fun uh, thing So please come and check us at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon on the Saturday, and then I'll be flying back to Australia straight afterwards. So no, I don't complain, do I did it in 24 hours last year. Oh, yeah. It's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like a great idea at the time. <laughs> uh, so buy a T-shirt or a poster or that sort of thing. Uh, I have two shows on sale. Uh, one's called Political Will, which is in Sydney, and that's uh, more than half sold out. It's at Giant Dwarf. Come and see that. Uh, a couple of the actual shows are already sold out. So
1: oh, And one more thing. So uh, the podcast is uh, now available on OmniApp.com. Yeah. Um, and we had a few people get in touch saying that they uh, live in areas where there's low bandwidth or they have to go to public Wi-Fi, yeah. so Omni have created an, a download a button an MP3, and MP P3 yeah. download. So you can so-
0: download it rather than having to stream
1: yeah. it. I would recommend not downloading them all at once, even if you use public Wi-Fi, because it'd take a while, maybe one epi- one episode at a time. Right. If you have terrible Wi-Fi, then, yeah, maybe one at a time. One at <laughs> a
0: time. But, uh, and also, uh, Fofop, my other podcast, this is a new episode with uh, Dave, Anthony, and Gareth Reynolds. I've heard of them. Which is up uh, we got interviewed. Uh, I told you that they, the guy from the Footy Show, interviewed them, right? Did I tell you this? No. They were down at uh, just uh, down near my house. We went down to the pub, and with the guy Bo, whatever his name is, who does Bo the, Ryan, yeah, who does the interviews on the New South Wales Footy Show, like he was doing interviews down there, and I walked by and he tried to grab me, and I was like, no, yeah, no, nah, 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 nah network, network. Yeah. That's why I said, I said network, network, and he was like, okay. Now, like one week later, I'm on the Channel Seven <laughs> Footy Show. <laughs> oh, hey! But anyway, um. Uh, Gareth and Dave got interviewed by him. That's so funny. But it will never appear on the New South Wales Footy Show because <laughs> in this no week, idea. no, because in this week he has been sacked from the New South Wales Footy Show because he was having an, an affair, affair with someone, with someone that from, chick high five. from high five. Yeah. So this great bit of footage of Dave and Gareth that could have been on the New South Wales Footy Show is on the cutting room floor because he's an affair with a childhood entertainer. Mm. Uh, A a free will with Justin Hamilton in (laughs) Perth uh, the 9th and 10th of October you've got that
1: final plug in I'm Charlie Clawson I'm Will Anderson